All right, y'all ready? You ready? Here we go. You ready? Wait a second. Before we go, let me hit pause. If you're new to the church thing, what we're about to do for the next several moments, not very long, they seem really weird. And a lot of things in church seem weird. It's because I'm weird. No, no. It's because this is going to be a song we sing that, that it's, we sing as our kids for a really long time. So if you don't know the song, that's okay. We're going to teach it to you. Uh, it'll become familiar. It actually has to do what I'm about ready to talk to. So the rest of y'all, you're all ready? You ready? All right. Pretend this is one big VBS. Pretend this is it. Vacation Bible school. Here we go. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. All right, great. It's fantastic. You know, I was looking at that and it says, it's a very interesting song. We teach it to our kids. It's a song, a theme of the Bible. It says that Father Abraham, a guy who lived a really, really, really long time, had many sons. It's kind of interesting. We're going to find in the story he doesn't have any sons. Uh, He's going to wind up with a couple. But God's going to say he's got many sons and that we are one of them. How in the world does that happen? Uh, We are one of them, so are you. And I love the tagline, so let's just praise the Lord. Which is really telling our kids, we have no idea what this means. Uh, We're singing this. Somehow you're related, somehow I am. He's a guy with a lot of kids. So let's just praise the Lord, uh, which is good to do. But even better than just let's praise the Lord, let's unpack this. Let's look at this a little closer. Let's see how in the world is a guy named Abraham who lived years and years, thousands of years before Jesus, your father. And how is he my father? And what does that have to do with us? Uh, How does his faith, we looked at it this morning through baptism, how does his faith impact our life? What does it mean? What family traits, more importantly, what family traits do we inherit from a guy named Abraham? We got to know this. If he's our father, what family traits do we get? What family patterns? I'm going to tell you there's some good. There's some bad. There's some ugly. And what impact does his heritage have on ours? And how did the promises that God gave Abraham be realized in our lives? I mean, one thing about Abraham, whoa, did God promise that guy? Incredible stuff. I mean, he, he just like looked Abraham in the eye and says, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you a land of promise. Uh, and I'm going to give you a seed and the seed to come. You ready for this? According to scripture, the seed to come that God is going to give Abraham and to us is going to make all things new. It's going to restore everything that's broken. I mean, can you imagine the promise to a guy who had no children and a barren wife that through you, I'm going to make a multitude of, of, of families through you. I'm going to bless all nations. You know, one of the most fun times seeing a kid grow up, and maybe uh, the Smiths and the Stalls are going to experience this pretty soon, is when uh, you see that your kids start to understand their grandma and grandpa are related to their parents. You know, I mean, you got grandma and grandpa, they're great, they give you stuff, and then they start to realize as they get older, wait a minute, uh, so you're telling me that Pop Pop and Grandma, uh, they, 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 they're your parents? And then you want to know, well, what was it like for them? You see, it's a relationship. Grandparents have a unique relationship with kids. Is it not true? Those of you who are grandparents or those of you who uh, have been loved on by grandparents. But there's also this parental relationship today. Today, I want to do this. I want to look at how Father Abraham was their father. Whose father? Their father. 
there being the ones who were first hearing this story. The ones who were first being introduced that this is Abraham. Because if we see the story through their eyes, the story really comes alive. The story has so much depth for us. So this morning, we're not going to see not only how he's our father in the faith, but how he is their father. Those who were the original hearing audience of this story or the original uh, a listening audience. So by, by faith, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to slip your feet into the sandals of those who have gone before us. Let's try to figure out the story from their perspective. What did this story we're about to mean mean to them? It's pretty amazing stuff. Well, let me set the context to the scripture we're going to read in Genesis 12 in just a moment. We believe that Moses wrote it. Uh, Moses lived a long time ago. We just sang a song uh, with his name in it. Uh, that Moses wrote uh, the book of Genesis. He actually wrote the first five books. We call it the Pentateuch. And let me tell you when he wrote it. Tough conditions. He wrote it in the desert. He wrote it in the desert. He wrote it, uh, wrote it while God's people were journeying to the promised land. So let's remember, where had God's people just been? God's people were just in slavery in a place called Egypt. Uh, They had just been released by slavery. I mean, God did some great work. I mean, he rolled up his sleeves and he he sent plagues, 10 of them, uh, to the Egyptians to make sure that that they knew that he was the only God and that that the Egyptians were messing with God's people. And God releases them from slavery, drives them out of Egypt. He does this incredible thing with the Red Sea. He parts it. And now they're wandering. And now they're wandering to a place that they were promised. And as they're wandering in the desert, here's what they're doing. What many of you and I are doing. They're stumbling. They're bumbling. And they're grumbling. As they stumble and bumble and grumble along toward a promised land, God gives them their father Abraham's story. And he gives it to us. So as I read God's holy and errant word, I want you to hear it through your ears, and I want you to hear it through their ears. What would it mean for them as they heard this story? It's really cool. This is another reason why I just am absolutely in love with God's word. What an incredible story he's given us. So let's pick up the story in Genesis 12. It's going to start in verse 10, read through the rest of the chapter to verse 20, right where we left off last week. Hear God's word. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn, to dwell, to live there. For there was a, the famine was severe in the land. Are you thinking about what they're thinking? When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Hit pause. At this point, Sarai, 65. I talked to my community group about this. I said, man, she must have been a real hottie. And and Katie turned to me and says, you're not going to use the word hottie at church, are you? I I wouldn't do that. But she's 65. And here's Abram, concerned of Abram. So say you are my sister, which by the way, half sister, it's a half truth, that it may go well with you because of you. I'm sorry, it may go well with me because of you. And that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. 
And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt with well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Sounds like he was plundering them. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Sarah, so, so Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you've done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her, go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Let's pray. And Father God, we ask that you would come and be merciful to us, your people. Come and speak through a broken servant like me. That God, that you give us ears to hear the voice of your son, our Savior Jesus. God, by your grace, you'd give us minds to understand your word. What in the world does this story have to do with us? The Father, that you would come in such a powerful way that each one of our hearts would be filled with your love and your truth. And if God, if there are hearts here that are stone cold in sin or just rock solid in unbelief, that you would graciously give us new hearts and let them beat for you. God, would you come and be with us in such a powerful way that your word transforms us. And because we are transformed by who you are and what you have done, that we would walk out of here in a manner worthy of the great name of Jesus as your ambassadors, as your children. Father, the things that I say that are wrong or just merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, use those things to make us more like your son, our savior. And it's in his powerful name that we pray, amen. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline if you want to follow along. The first thing is family patterns. We're going to investigate some family patterns here. Have you ever had a family deja vu? I mean, I bet you you've had an individual deja vu. You've had probably an experience where something happens. I think I've been here before. I think I've experienced this before. Have you ever had a family deja vu? I mean, maybe you're arguing over the same thing. I mean, maybe you're, you're back in that same old rut. Uh, maybe it's the, the same things that you're going through. Maybe even good, but probably bad. Have you ever had a family deja vu? Well, I know we have in our, our families. It seems like each one of us has family tendencies, family patterns. We have a tendency to fall in, both good and bad. Let me ask you, is it true that there are any biological family patterns? Spouses, have you ever been referred to as acting like their in-laws? You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. Does it only happen in my household? <laughs> but there's family patterns that are, that are biological. It's amazing. The older we get, sometimes the more we become like our parents or our grandparents. And there's great grace in that. There's also great challenge in that. But there's also spiritual uh, patterns that we fall in. If we look at those who have gone before us, 
God is very painfully clear that they have warts, they have problems, they stumble and bumble, and, and spiritually they pass on par- patterns to us, both with blessings and with curses. Well, when you look at the life of Abraham, and maybe the chapter 12, and the reason I get so excited about Abraham is this, is the call of Abram, who will become Abraham, is the preview of the rest of the Bible. If you ever want to tell somebody what's the Bible all about and you only have one chapter of the Old Testament, maybe a good one is chapter 12. Because what happens in that? We're going to find out that through salvation is found for all the families of the earth through one man. That God is going to bless one man and it's ultimately going to bless him through really the seed that comes from that one man. It's going to be the blessings for the entire earth. I mean, it's a preview for the Bible Because really, as you see Abraham, he really points to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the one to come. He's the seed to come who will be a blessing to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus is the seed to come that really will uh, separate our sins as far as the east is from the west. Jesus is the one to come that will make all things new. The hope of the Bible is found in the seed of Abraham. And the seed of Abraham leads right to a wonderful Messiah named Jesus. And so really, in this one little passage, we see a preview of the entire Bible. But there's more than that. In this one little passage, right here in chapter 12, we see a foreshadowing of what's happening to God's people right now. Right now, as they are reading this, they are hearing this story, and it's eerily similar to what they're going through. All right. Now, if you have a pen, you may want to jot this down. This will help you understand the Bible. When you go to the Bible, God's holy and errant word, amazing story. He tells us of who he is and who we are and how we can find our way safely home in Christ Jesus. When you read the Bible, there are three worlds that you should be considering as you read God's word, especially the Old Testament. You should be looking at that world. When I say that world, and by the way, this is language of a professor of mine, Richard Pratt. Uh, that world is a world that is happening right there. I just told you a story of Abraham. And can't you picture him going, wandering right into Egypt? And what happened was he in Egypt? So that is their world. That world, I should say. That is that world. We should investigate that. What is happening? But here's what most people miss that really makes the Bible amazingly come alive. It's their world, their world. When I say their world, who are the original hearers of this? Who are the original ones that were given this story and why? Okay, put yourself in the sandals of those uh, Israelites who were heading to the promised land. Think of what this story meant to them. Are you kidding me? Where'd they just come from? Egypt. How'd they get out? Plagues. I mean, they're basically being told Abraham's story, and they're seeing it as their story. And here's what they're thinking. We're going home. Abraham was like us. God promised him a land, and it's our land. And God promised to be with him. God, God, the pattern here is just amazing, mirroring our lives. They went to Egypt because of famine. So did we. They were released because of a plague. So were we. Our God's promises. You ready for this? They can't fail. Put yourself in their world. And the Bible becomes amazingly powerful. Why did God give us those stories to those people at that time? And then we have to look at the Bible at our world. What is our world? And you know what? We are so privileged and so blessed that we can step back and we have to see every Bible story that is ever given to us through the lenses of the gospel. 
Every story that we ever read, especially in the Old Testament, we need to see through the lens of how does this point to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? How is this foreshadow it? How is it fulfilled? How do we know? And so we have the privilege of knowing that the seed to come, the seed of promise, it was Jesus. And we, need to, we have the privilege of looking back and say, man, look at Abraham. He was saved by God's grace through faith, just like us. He was saved just like us in the hope that a seed to come. But look at the blessing we have. We now can look back and see, we know the name of that seed. The name of that seed is God's only son. The name above every name, the name of Jesus. And all the blessings are ours in Christ Jesus. So that's how we can read the Bible. And it really helps us understand the family patterns of what was happening here. So let's again think, what would this story mean to their father Abraham? Their father Abraham had many sons and they were one of them. What would it mean to them? Here's what it would mean. His life paralleled their life and journey. And they have hope. But here's what more it means. Their father Abraham is, is, is a sinner. This guy's got some issues and so do they. And they have some eerily familiar patterns to follow. Okay, family patterns. Second thing is this, is family heritage. Uh, who here has seen the movie Hitch? One of the great movies, four of you said yes. Many of you are lying, you saw it. It was a funny movie. Will Smith, uh, Will Smith's got a job, uh, his job, he's very good at it. He's a matchmaker. Uh, he takes unlikely people and he's able to, to get them together. And Hitch has his own love, a girl named Sarah. And because he's so smooth and because he does this so well, he, he thinks I'm going to be able to work this out and give this great date and, and be able to uh, really woo uh, this girl's heart. So he has a plan. They live in New York City. They're going to get on jet skis. How cool. And they're going to go from jet skis uh, to Ellis Island to go find her heritage. Hitch has got it all worked out. He's got the exact place in the book where her great, great, great whoever came and signed into America for the first time. Amazing deal. They had some problems getting there, but eventually they get there and, and there she is. She's looking at the name of her heritage and she starts to weep and, and Hitch is looking back thinking, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the coolest Casanova ever. But her weeping becomes a little hysterical and it's more than just like, this is really cool, but this is really bad. And she realizes, he realizes that he brought Sarah right face to face with the relative who was known as a killer, a butcher. I mean, just uh, thank you very much for bringing me my heritage. Thank you for showing my heritage. It's really broken. It's really messy. It's really awful. Well, here's God's grace to you. He's going to show you his heritage, our heritage. Our heritage is a family through Abraham. You ready for this? We could have reason to cry <laughs> and reason to rejoice. It's both beautiful and awful, all at the same time. Our father Abraham, you ready for this? He had the propensity to wander from God's promises and head to Egypt. The story's amazing. The story's amazing because just in one chapter, we have God that continually meets with him and says, I love you, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna bless you. And you have, if you read the Bible and you get out a map, and you see how God called him from Ur of the Chaldeans and he comes down into the promised land. He's talking to God. He's building altars for God and he's walking all the way through the promised land. And guess what he does? He walks right out the back door. He doesn't even stop. I mean, it's almost comical. You want to look at this geographically and say, are you kidding me, Abraham? I mean, God has promised you so much. And what in the world in Egypt offered more than God's promises? I mean, a famine came. God never said go to Egypt. 
God didn't tell him, hey, I'm going to not be able to provide for you here. You might want to go down and look for Pharaoh. He's a really good guy. He can might provide for you. He got up and sojourned. He went to, the word means dwell or live in Egypt. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the propensity to wander from God's promises? I mean, do you have a propensity to to look to our Egypts, our world, to see that where we can find our identity, where we can find our security, where we can find our life, where we can find our meanings? Is that not our family heritage? Uh, Don't we have the propensity to wander away from a God who's promised so much and we long and we look for fulfillment in so little the world has to offer? Clearly, our father Abraham is our father in sin. Did you see who he was? Did you see how selfish he was? Did you see who he is willing to give up to protect his own hide? He's going to have a real issue with his wife. He keeps on giving her up. Take her, save me. How valiant. I mean, for Abraham, it's not save the men and uh, the women and children. It's save me. I mean, this guy, he's a putz. He's a wimp. He really is. I mean, this is not good stuff. Let me talk to the men for a minute. I and mean, if God has blessed you with a spouse, if that's where you are, never throw her under the bus for any reason. I mean, God has called you to protect them, love them, cherish them, point them to Christ. And instead, he looks at her as his, his, his ability to be safe for your sake. He's going to deal nicely with me. I'm going to, I'm going to get camels and I'm going to get donkeys and I'm going to be rich. All I got to do is hand you over to some other man's arms. Are you kidding me? That's Abraham. How selfish. Husbands, don't emulate his behavior. Our father, Abraham, listen to this. This this rings so true in my life. I hate to admit it. Our father, Abraham, had the propensity to live in fear of man over God's promises. What did God promise him? God promised him a seed, a nation, a name. He promised him so much, and yet he's willing to give up his wife for his own life. He's fearful of man. Okay, what's more more evident in his behavior? He's got in his back pocket the greatest blessings from the true and living God. You can't be touched. God's word said this to you, Abraham. God's going to curse those who curse you. You You go in faith. You go in faith that God will provide. And yet, he lives in fear of what man will do. How is it with you? Are you living as a son of the living God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Are you living clothed in the righteousness of Christ and filled with his spirit? Are you living as one that God God has his sovereign hand on and nothing in this world can touch it or touch you? It doesn't pass through his hands. Or are you living in the fear of man, of what man will do to you, of how they can affect you? God has given us the privilege to live like sons and not slaves. And yet we choose slavery so often. Here is Father Abraham, who was promised so much, a seed, a name, a land, and yet he lives in fear of man. One thing we can see about Abraham that's so true with him is that God clearly calls. He, he calls to himself. He elects his own family by God's grace alone. Here's the point. 
There was nothing in Abraham that God said, oh, I'm going to pick that guy. He's really awesome. Look at what he's going to do. He's a great guy. He's so religious. Let me love on him because he's done so many great things or he will do make so many great things. You ready for this? God loves Abraham because you ready? God loves Abraham. Purely by God's grace. Purely, listen, if you are a child of God, if by God's grace you could call him Abba Father and Jesus your Lord and Savior, you and I are very much like Abraham. It is purely by the grace of God that he chooses any of us. Because <laughs> inside is filth and inside is brokenness and God does some great stuff through broken people like us. So if you have a family heritage and you can call God your father, it's all surely by, it begins by grace, continues by grace, and right for this, it ends by grace. True for Abraham, true for us. And lastly, family fulfillment. The crazy thing about Abraham, the crazy thing about what he was willing to risk, what he was willing to risk, all of God's promises, all of God's promises, basically, listen, the entire storyline of the Bible This is a man that God came to and says, I'm going to pour into your life, into your lap, a seed, a name, a land. The storyline of the Bible is his. And he's going to go to Egypt and willing to risk and jeopardize and give it away at all. And why? For selfish gain. For his own hide. Okay, this is where it gets cool too. You got to listen to this. You know who the hero of the story is? It's not Abraham, is it? Who's the hero of this story? The hero of the story is the hero of every story of the Bible. It's God. It's God himself. And here's where you're going to find out about this amazing God. Listen how gracious he is. Ready for this? God is the one who makes the promises. So God is a a promise-making God to us. I'm going to be your God, and you are going to be my people, and I'm going to send a Savior. Ready for this? God is not only the promise-making God, right? He's the promise-keeping God. He's the one who's ultimately going to keep the promises. Keep the promises. They're all going to be secured in Christ Jesus. I mean, why in the world is Pharaoh breaking out in a plague he can't identify? Why is this happening? It's certainly not the righteousness of Abraham. You ready for this? Because God's plan won't fail. Some of you, that's the only phrase you need to hear right now. God's plan won't fail. God's promises can't fail. God cannot lie. The beautiful thing about this story is we see the rescue of the storyline and the rescue of Abraham is God. Because why? Because our God is faithful to promise and our God is faithful to keep those promises. And we can rest and know that that family fulfillment of all the things we long for in family are fulfilled in Christ Jesus alone. The seed of promise is preserved. Think of what happened if Sarai gets pregnant with a pharaoh. It crumbles. I mean, the promise of the seed, I mean, everything crumbles if that relationship wasn't preserved between Abraham and Sarah. And what Abraham was willing to throw away, God was not. He says, no, 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 this promised seed is gonna come. And I'm gonna give you a promise. I'm gonna be a blessing to many. God's ultimate only rescuer is Jesus. He's the one who defeats our enemies. He's the one who has given us a name. He's the one who's given us a place with God. As we close, can what, how much power did this story mean to the original listening or hearing audience? What did it mean to them? They're going home. God's promises are real. What did it mean to them? 
What do they usually grumble about? Let's go back to Egypt. That was their biggest grumbling. God's like, don't go back to Egypt. For many of you, whatever you're going to look for life and promises apart from God, don't go to Egypt. As they're preparing and moving toward this promised land, just like us, God's promises are true. What does this story mean to us? It means this, that Jesus came to rescue us from our slavery of sin. It means that we are on our way to the promised land. It means that Jesus right now has secured for us and given us his name, that he is making us into a great nation, that he is blessing us so that we can be a blessing to the entire earth, that Jesus, he is our heritage. Jesus, he is our family fulfillment. And Jesus, he's the one we pattern our life after. Certainly not Abraham. Some good, but some bad. How is it with you? Are you living in the reality of God's promises or are you going to Egypt? Quit it. God promises so much. Let us pray. Father, thanks for telling the truth about our fathers. Thanks for letting us know that Abraham was a knucklehead. An absolute knucklehead. Yes, he had faith in you by your grace. And yes, he trusted in the seed to come and we love him and we respect him and we're grateful for him. But he is our father in sin too. And he is like us. He had the propensity to go to Egypt when you didn't call him there. And although you blessed him and blessed him and blessed him, (laughs) he was so dim-witted sometimes that he wanted to find life apart from you. And God, I thank you that you are our hero. God, thank you that you put into the lap of this man the promises of the Bible and you wouldn't let his sin mess it up. That you were faithful even when we are not, and we can trust you. Father, I pray that we would have a family pattern and a family heritage that all points to that one who's brought us family fulfillment in Christ Jesus. It's his name we pray, amen.